Welcome to the cocoon, where the 99% transform into 100%. I'm your host, Michael Baker, and you're listening to the Open Door Podcast Series. Please welcome my guest from Portland, Oregon, John Kyes. I am so excited to, like, you know, get to hear what's going on with you. I, I found you... In my search for, I think I was searching for nettles because, uh, you know, I've had all sorts of things throughout my life go on, you know, mm-hmm. um, digestive issues forever, you know, eczema when I was born, mm-hmm. asthma, I almost died. And so I've, I've been on this journey for many years of, of uh, you know, learning about health and people thought I was crazy, you know, mm-hmm. years ago, uh, probably about 20 years ago. No, it was 20 years ago. Uh, and I was, uh, you know you know having these symptoms i'm like what's going on why am i you know breaking out and i'm you know allergic to all these things what's happening and that kind of started my journey and people telling me about herbs and mm. of course i had a growing up the way that i did in the religious background that i did mm. uh i thought that it was for witches right <laughs> sure and that was evil right um and so i was like what do you mean herbs mm. and um, I got turned on to, uh, an, I can't say she was an herbalist, but, you know, different concoctions of, of herbs that someone, I can't say her name, but, you know, had made. But she, I also got turned on to Dr. Hajula Clark. I, you never heard of them? Mm. Um, it, was, it was a book called To Cure All Cancers or something of that matter. Mm. And so that community, I started learning and, you know, and, uh, but that got me into, you know, learning about, you know, supplements and, and herbs. And mm-hmm. I really didn't know, you know, what I'm knowing now, but it was a start. And um, so I was just fascinated, though, mm-hmm. um, throughout the years. I've been taking different things, you know, um, to, to, you know, find the cure, the answer. And... That's a whole nother conversation about that, you know, curing and the answer. But uh, in my recent search, um, I was looking for nettles to deal with, you know, respiratory things and all what. um, And that came up. And I don't know how I got to you, but it was an article that I think you had written about that. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, Because I go by intuition now and I actually bought a a bottle of a tincture Mm. and I didn't know why. And I'm like, I sense this one and you know, I'm not going to get it. And when I was reading about it, I was like, amazing. So I do my research after that. I'm like, okay, what does it do? Who's saying what, Mm -hmm. you know, what are the pros and cons? Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up on your, you know, your website Mm -hmm. and I was amazed at your knowledge and what you do. And so I just want to share you with everybody. And Hmm. um, so, you know, tell us who you are and then kind (laughs) of tell us what's going on in your world of of magic. (laughs) Okay. Well, so my name is John Kyes and I'm a therapist. I'm a mental health therapist, counselor, but I also integrate uh, a lot of information from traditional systems, including diet and herbalism, Uh, you know, more see things more holistically. We have, you know, in my belief, we have shifted to a way over medication. Uh, for mental health issues, seeing everything as needing a pill. And one out of, I believe one out of five of us now takes a medication for distress, emotional distress. 
And there's a lot of people saying, hey, hold on. I think, um, you know, insomnia and depression and anxiety, even more complex forms, insomnia and, and crisis states, we can look at that more holistically. We can examine how to help people um, using less invasive, less, you know, with measures that have less side effects. So, yeah, that includes herbs, certainly. That includes Diet, exercise, lifestyle changes, and traditional ways of looking at mental health that included yoga, qigong, tai chi, um, and even indigenous ways of perceiving mental health and mental uh, emotional distress. So that's my take. I'm a counselor and a therapist that integrates these um, traditional techniques for helping people to recover and to heal. Wow. Yeah. And and that's what got me because I don't I've never heard of that I, I don't say never heard well I haven't uh, I you know doing counseling therapy work with these types of uh, uh, modalities is obviously rare and I, I mean I don't know if you have a whole you know group of people that are doing this with you but it's very rare with what you're doing yes it is yeah. rare and I think sadly rare meaning we for therapists we tend to do talk we mm -hmm. talk and i think that's very important let's talk about how you're you know dealing with work issues and family issues and how you're living your life but we tend to avoid things that have to do with the body with your physical health and well-being and we say well that's mm -hmm. a doctor or that's something that's not out of that's out of my purview and i think we have divorced ourselves from the body so that we're really on this intellectual plane when a lot of stuff is happening on a physical plane and a lot of the a lot of therapists are now moving towards seeing how can we help people on this physical feeling of anxiety and depression and sadness and trauma and so they're looking at techniques like EMDR I don't know if you've heard of any of these okay so that? EMDR is ways of uh Managing trauma, working through states of trauma that cause severe anxiety and depression by using a technique where you move your eyes uh, back mm. and forth as I, a way, right? I, yeah, a family member of mine, actually, she's the one and a friend of mine told me about it, but I, you know, it didn't quite click with me. I'm like, I don't know. How does that work? Right. So, and I don't, I'm not an EMDR specialist, but I'm saying that as a way of describing how therapists are moving towards techniques of helping people move through distress instead of just talking about it. Mindfulness is certainly very huge. The idea of, hey, let's work on breath and meditation um, to actually calm the system. Um, and I think we as therapists should also look at traditional ways of helping people that involve diet, that involved herbs and, and traditional techniques. And we sort of like go, oh, well, that's someone else's job. I think mm. it should be our job, too. Yeah. Wow. That, that is, like I said, very fascinating. And I truly know the future. You know, th this is the future of, of yeah. whole health. You know, you said something you can't, you know, a friend of mine, actually, he said, you can't divorce the mind from the body. And, right. And, and. You know, I think that that is, you know, indicative of what 
we have done in our whole culture, at least in America. Okay, I'm an American, right? Um, and we segregate and separate Absolutely. everything, and you know, even even I would say our uh, our drugs that we've created are an example of that. You yeah. you take out a component of something, make it into something to you know, quote unquote. I don't know if they call it healing, but to stop a symptom or mm-hmm. you know, and but it doesn't. You can't take. You know, uh, an, an herb, and take a part of the herb, tr- synthesize it, right. and turn it into chemical, and it actually have the true effect of what it's supposed to have. Right. And so, what we've done, really, since about the 1950s, is when we shifted to. That's when psychiatry started. The use of medications for um, helping people in distress. We started with Thorazine back in the 50s, which is an antipsychotic for people who are going through, you know, mania and psychosis. And then, you know, we got lithium and we got the the tranquilizer drugs. And then in 87, we got Prozac. And Prozac was the first um, serotonin, serotonergic antidepressant that came on the, you know, came out. And it was a blockbuster. It was hugely popular. And it really changed how we as Americans, as the world, perceive distress. We started to go, oh, we don't need to go to a counselor and we don't need to deal with, mm. you know, all of our issues. We could just take a medication. The insurance companies got on board with this. Certainly the medical establishment got on board with this. And suddenly we were prescribing in enormous amounts these medications that prior to 87, people really didn't take pills as much. And now we take it, like I said, one out of five of us do this. And we've... In doing that, we've ignored the body, meaning these drugs, while effective for crisis states and for a few select people, for a small percentage of people, uh, they they do what you said. They, they're more suppressive. Um, Let's take antidepressants, for mm-hmm. example. They work on serotonin. We've heard this idea that we have chemical imbalances in our body and it, you know, we'll just adjust our serotonin levels. It's not really true. Um, there is no magical amount of serotonin in our body. Some people have high levels, some people low. And this drug, these drugs don't magically make us have the perfect amount. And what scientists are discovering is that mental health is less to do with just these neurotransmitters and much more to do with our gut, with our digestive system. This is really where cutting-edge research is going is they're discovering that this, what's called this microbiome, this mass of bacteria, trillions of bacteria that exist in our gut, this microbiota, are responsible not only for digestion, for producing vitamins, um, but also responsible for distress for our feelings of well-being. Hmm. And how that happens is... If we eat shitty, I'm sorry, if we eat bad food, you can do that. You can cut that out. If we eat bad food, (laughs) processed food, if we take a lot of antibiotics, if we take in a lot of junky food, it damages our flora, our, um, our microbiome. And there's this really little film that exists over our gut lining, Mm. and that can get worn down. And then we get inflammation in our gut lining, and we can get what's called leaky gut syndrome, right? 
Yes. And then yeah. endotoxins and bad bacteria leak out into the bloodstream and our immune system freaks out and goes, oh, no, and causes a reaction in our body that leads to inflammation, chronic inflammation, and not only physical problems, immune system problems, but depression anxiety, other issues happening too. So really, these bacteria and how we treat it, how we feed them, is intimately connected to our emotional well-being and health. Wow. Okay, so this is this is key, <laughs> not to use the pun, work. Yeah. I, um, you know, I've been studying over the years, and, and I've come to that conclusion. I have had digestive issues for years. Now, there's emotional things I know connect. I had a very challenging upbringing. You know, we all go through our things, you know. Um, but, you know, being a sensitive, um, I picked up on, you know, so many things. And so I've noticed that, you know, when my digestion is really out of whack, like today, you know, things have gone on. I'm like, oh, I had, I had some glasses of wine and, and haven't, haven't been drinking wine. And, and oh, okay, that's bothering me now. So something's out of balance. And I always feel more um, anxious. I had, and I've dealt with anxiety right. for the past years. And so I was like, you know, what is this? But coming to the conclusion that it is the gut. But here's the thing. People go, well, how do you heal that? You know, right. how do you change that? Um, you talked about the junky foods. Yeah. Um, you know, what you explained was, was perfect. So let's go back to the beginning there. So we talk about junky foods, and I want to talk about these bacteria. Mm-hmm. People don't know what to do. Right. And especially when, they're, when I say know what to do, they may hear it, but you hear so many things, John. Right. And not only do you hear so many things, you talk about eating healthy, what's cheap, What's yeah. fast, what's quick, people go to. Sure. Um, and so kind of take us back to about this junky food. Why is the junky food causing the issue? Well, you know, it's really interesting, and it is complex. And I think we really have to go back to when junky food started. <laughs> mm. And junky food basically took off in the 50s. And what happened in the 50s you know, not only did I say that Thorazine that was introduced in the 50s, a psychiatric revolution began then, but an agricultural revolution occurred then known as the Green Revolution. And that was the time period when we started to grow monocrops of only, you know, particular types of wheat, corn, soy, and rice. We started to use pesticides. We started to use antibiotics for our cattle and, and, you know, that we ate as meat. And then we uh, refine these foods and we turn them into cookies and crackers and mm. soda pop. So high fructose corn syrup, you know, that we got from corn. We took all these um monocropped foods and we refine them into crappy crappy processed food and then we spread them out to grocery stores throughout the country prior to that time back in certainly you know your grandmother or great grandmother's time we were eating pretty close to the land we ate from our backyard from our neighbor's farm we probably hunted we collected wild foods nearby and by the 1950s 60s we were eating 
prepared foods, microwaves came in, um, fast food came in, McDonald's, and our diet completely changed. And what it led to was not only an epidemic of bad health, obesity, heart disease, diabetes, but bad emotional health too, increased anxiety and depression, insomnia. All of this is related to basically the modern diet, which is very inflammatory. So you ask, how do we change that? Well, yes, we can try and change that on a personal level. We can try and change our diets. And it also requires us to look systemically. How are we, you know, how is the government using its money? We support this sort of crappy agriculture, agricultural system. We, we prop up these main food crops and re, that get refined into high-calorie processed foods, and we ignore, we don't subsidize veggies, fruits, foods that are good for you. So a lot of people have access to those crappy foods, and they're cheap. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a class issue. It's a, you know, a race. It's There's a poverty e- economic issue. issue. Economic issue as well that, you know, a lot of us, the poorest among us, can only afford, you know, really bad food. And so this is complex. Well, you exactly. You talk about eating organic. You know, I, I seek to do that. And it's... Example, I go visit my, you know, family uh, in Seattle um, or I'm in a household uh, that I'm staying with and they, you know, want to eat healthy. And actually they, you know, they're they're making their strides. But I have a challenging time. I'm like, what did you just buy? I can't eat that. I can't. I I, I know what the what's inside of that. I cannot eat uh, ground beef. Um Because I not just because I think that way, I've tested it. I've tested what it does to my body um, with whatever they're doing doing to it in most supermarkets. I'm not saying all meat, right? Okay, is this way? Right. Um, I'm just saying the majority of things that people can quote unquote afford, and I say quote unquote, yes, because I think that we think that we have to eat a lot. We're used to eating big meals here, right? And um, but what I noticed was. You know, not being able to afford that, then people just, of course, um, buy what's there. And they feel, you know, well, how can I do this? Because I think, again, they think, well, if I was just to eat um, some greens that were organic and maybe some vegetables on top, I want to be, I need some meat. You know, I need this. I need, and meat is, in organic meat is expensive. Organic vegetables can be expensive. So everything that's good for you is expensive. And so those that can't afford it, what, just get sick and die? (laughs) Right. Well, it's stacked against uh, folks who have, you know, less money. That's just the reality. It's interesting. I was thinking about the microbiota. The scientists have done this research just recently um, in Africa. They went to, I can't remember the, the nation where they went to, but it was a tribal culture in Africa. And they tested the microflo- uh, microbiota, you know, like what, you know, what's the diversity of the microbiota? And then they went to Italy to a modern city, Florence, and mm. tested people's microbiota. And what they found is people who ate that tradi- those traditional foods had a much more diverse uh, amount of bi- microbiota. And what they're discovering is the more diverse, the more amounts of bacteria you have, 
the healthier you are. And so literally those who are eating these modern diets are killing the good bugs Mm. in our tummies. And so how do you change that? Like I said, there's systemic issues that need to happen where we have to figure out ways of making healthy food cheaper and more accessible to everyone. And then on a, you know, on a one-to-one basis, when I talk with people, I think we can make decisions to eat healthier if we put the energy into it. If you cook from scratch, you can eat pretty healthy for pretty cheap, even if you include some foods that are inorganic you know you can still go for more vegetables uh more grains more meat and less processed food mm-hmm. um there's a lot of different opinions about what is the right diet i don't believe in one diet what i do say is hey let's just first cut out the processed foods the snacks and the crackers and the cookies and the soda pops let's start with that and then if you can introduce foods that are going to be more beneficial some people do really well with a paleo more meat centered diet some more with a vegan diet frankly i think Each one can work for different constitutions and different types. It's the standardized prepared food diet that is really damaging. Yeah. Yeah. And what would be the standardized diet? So what we in America tend to eat, we have Doritos and chips with our lunch. We have a ham sandwich maybe that's made with ham that's got a lot of, uh, you know, antibiotics made from the from the pig or put into the pig. We eat, you know, cookies and snacks, little Debbie's and we go to 7-Eleven and we have Slurpees. <laughs> We're adding, you know, I think 500 extra calories a day to the normal diet um, compared to back even in the 70s. Yeah. So we we just have so much uh, available to us. You know, like I said, 7-Elevens, plaid pantries. A lot of us don't have access. Or even if we do, I can't shop at New Seasons all the time. Mm-hmm. It's too expensive. Um, a lot of people live in food deserts. So they're going to their local store and buying what's available, which is processed foods. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay. Tell us more about this. You call it the <laughs> microbiome? Microbiome. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is that? How does that work? <laughs> okay. So the microbiome is literally about several pounds of bacteria, and it's hundreds, maybe up to a thousand different species of bacteria. And for a long time, we've been like, you know, oh, that's bacteria is bad. You know, we don't we want to be clean. We want to be sterile. Um, And we live in environments that are closed environments. We no longer, you know, live outdoors. We're no longer farmers, most of us. And so we live these sterile environments and we don't have access to complex amounts of bacteria, meaning they found that kids who grow up in farms, who roll around in the mud, Mm. who, (laughs) you know, who pet their horses and pigs, they're picking up all that bacteria that benefits bacteria and it goes into their um, into their digestive system and it's good for them good okay. for us that, John <laughs> that's a hard one for people they, we are taught in this country yes. dirty dirty disease right. germs right. wash your hands constantly with right. antibacterial mm-hmm. soap right um, terrible for you and it, you know, antibacterial soap specifically bad yeah <laughs> you, you know and um, 
for God forbid you go outside with your 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 you know feet out there you know on the ground because you could catch a cold right and so what even scientists are saying today is let's stop trying to kill this microbiome let's support it and so don't kill it means don't use antibiotics use antibiotics as little as possible we've way overdone it when we pop those things they kill everything beneficial and uh, bad bacteria in the body like a nuclear bomb boom (laughs) (laughs) use them as little as possible Um, have access to you know the outdoor Literally, um, you know, I know someone who says, eat dirt once in a while. (laughs) My grandmother used to do that. Did she really? She did. It was an oddest thing, but she said she used to eat the dirt. Why did she do that? I have no idea. And maybe it was passed generationally as a good idea because she said she craved it. (laughs) I've heard people saying just I don't do it personally, but I I, I get the idea. But on a more realistic level, you know, less antibiotics. Less processed foods, which damage the microbiome, less chemicals in general. We live in these like hand sanitizers, you know, mm-hmm. these environments where we're using a lot of chemical additives that damage the flora. Um, and and then introduce what they say is introduce what are called probiotic foods. So in traditional cultures, they'll use fermented foods and fermented foods have a lot of bacteria in them. So kefir, yogurt. Yogurts, um, kombucha. I don't know if you know that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, sauerkraut. Sauerkraut. Boom. So you did got, you say kimchi already? I did not, but you're on on it. Yeah. All of those are traditional foods, and what we're finding is these traditional people had the sense that these are really beneficial for the gut, which in turn is beneficial for the health and emotional well being. So introduce probiotic foods. Some people say take probiotics. The problem with probiotics mm. is they're only a specific amount of bacteria. So they'll only have, say, lactobacillus in them or a few different bacteria. But we're talking about hundreds of different species in our gut. So you want to create a, offer a broad spectrum to the system. And um, those fermented foods do that. Okay. Yeah. So if it, so food, so I, I, I know people are doing pills now, uh, yeah. but you know, there's some things you said kombucha. Yes. The kombucha wouldn't be in itself all of those bacteria, or, or would it? It, it will have a, 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 an array of some bacteria. It's not going to have all, all of them because some of them actually are not really beneficial. There's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, H. pylori, different ones that can actually have a negative effect on the system. But yes, it'll have a broader spectrum and the body seems to be able to absorb mm. and take it in better than just a pill that sometimes just gets excreted out without getting absorbed. Because so. because of that, what we talked about, that it's maybe, I don't know this exactly, but is the probiotics with a pill, is it because they've extracted it from something and it's more processed? Yeah, I mean, that could be. I think in general, what they've discovered is pills in general, uh, when we take supplements, when we take min- vitamin and mineral pills, what we're discovering is the body sometimes can have a hard time extracting that information, that benefit from it, and it gets excreted out a lot more easily than if we take a whole food. This is where herbalism comes in, that when you, you know, you talked about nettles, when you're drinking a big cup of of nettle tea, um, nettles is 
huge amounts of vitamins and minerals. Mm. And the body seems to be able to absorb that when it's in warm liquid form. And uh, plants have that broad array. It's just, it's a more intelligent organism than just one little tiny chemical mm-hmm. coming in. So the body's able to absorb it more. You get more benefit from whole foods. Holistic again. Holistic yeah. than pills. That's and basically pills. it. Okay, so let, let's go to this um, uh, herbal thing. You called it, is it wild harvesting? What do you, what do, you do? Wild crafting. Wild crafting. Yeah. So herbalists, us weird herbalist people, we like to get dirty. <laughs> you <laughs> and, weirdos. You know, we're weirdos. <laughs> and uh, so this is really, again, time honored. This is what traditional peoples do throughout the world, which is go out and collect their own plants as medicine. And there's a lot of different types of plants that grow near you and me that can be used that are really beneficial. Okay. So we could start with nettles. Let's start with nettles. Nettles is filled with uh, protein, chlorophyll, iron, vitamins A, C, E, um, a lot of the trace minerals. And it grows as this cool, you know, maybe three to four foot plant with opposite stems, vibrant green plant that grows in the woods. And it tastes a little bit like spinach. You know, so basically, mm. you can go out there in, in the spring and cut the tops, make sure that it's from land that's not polluted because it really these plants take it in. Make sure you don't take too much, maybe only 10 to 20 percent of that little area that you collect from. Bring it home, dry it, and then use it either as tea or, like I said, as spinach. You can put it into add mm. it to food. And it's it's not just the process of like, I mean, we can go out and buy that. For sure. Right. The process of connecting to that plant becomes medicine as well, meaning mm-hmm. medicine for the soul. You're making a relationship with that plant. You're you're connecting with it in a way where you can really you vi- it's a friend. It's an ally. Mm. You bring uh, that plant home. You're drinking it in. That whole process becomes the medicine more than just, hey, what amount of mineral and vitamin supplement am I getting yeah. from this experience? We're really used to in this society – what do I take to feel better? Absolutely. <laughs> I want to Where, take that pill yeah, now. What and, is it? Oh, it worked. Yeah. I feel so much better. And, and I get that. And, and, and there's certainly times that that's really helpful mm-hmm. and that's really useful. This type of herbalism is a little deeper. It says, instead of just going for the quick fix, let's create relationships with our plants. And when we wildcraft, when we go out and really meet the plants in the field, we really start to harmonize and connect with the plant. And that process becomes healing in itself. All right. So yes. there'll be some people that listen to this and go, woo, woo. <laughs> Fine with You're, that. Are you an earth nature worshiper? <laughs> yes, You're I am. worshiping the plants. That's not biblical. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm making light of that. So please, sure. no one take that as an offense. Yeah. But, you know, we, like I said, you know, I grew up and I'm like, herbs are for witches. Mm, you know, yeah. um, you hear these things were pro, pre-programmed with, mm-hmm. uh, with other thoughts. Yes. Um, and so when you say connecting to the plant. Mm-hmm. Can you expound upon what you mean by that? I mean, are you, you know, when I say worshiping the plant, you're not going there, oh, plant, you are God Almighty and you should, you know, but, and when I say that, mm-hmm. um, because I think there's an actual truth to that, because I think every single person has, is, is the source to me, is, is mm-hmm. the God force mm-hmm. uh, within them, mm-hmm. um, a, a part of it. Nothing would be without that 
that source, that beauty, that love, that right. connection. Uh, and so what I hear you saying is that you go and you find these um, wild harvested um, beautiful plants and herbs that somehow you, you know what they do because that's yeah. another question. Like, how do you know what that is? <laughs> um, and then you carefully um, take these and source them. And when I say source them, you talked about only taking so much mm-hmm. and being respectful to that. Mm-hmm. And I hear a relationship there of respecting and honoring mm-hmm. what you're getting ready to ingest into you, what you're getting ready to take to you mm-hmm. and be grateful for. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear you saying. So right. how would you? You've got it. I mean, it really comes down to that process of connecting to plants in that way builds a sense of respect for nature, for that plant. Because, like I said, we've gotten so distanced. I talked about the Green Revolution and agriculture, where who knows where our food came from. When we sit down to it, I have no idea usually Mm -hmm. where it came from. But our ancestors did, and your great-grandparents did. And this is another way of connecting to what we're taking in very intimately. Uh, And this is our medicine. You know, instead of, well, what are we taking for medicine? Well, we're taking this synthetic pill created by some dude in, I don't know, Indonesia (laughs) and brought over here in a pill. This is a way of being like, wow, you're my medicine. Mm -hmm. And you sit with that plant and you can, you know, yes, have a relationship where you're respecting it. You don't over harvest it. You're really trying to tend it in a way that's very careful. And, And that process of bringing it back is part of res- is also about respecting yourself and your own body. It's a whole process where you're learning to give yourself love too mm-hmm. by respecting what you're taking. That process is very powerful. So mm. I know not everyone can become a, a wild crafter, and there's some amazing herbalists in this town where you can buy their medicines. But I do emphasize the importance for people who are in distress, who are anxious and depressed, to go out into nature more, you know, get out of your sterile environment and at least just take in, you know, the natural world, the beauty. And maybe you'll see something that you bought at a store. There's St. John's wort growing everywhere around here in June. You might even see it and be like, wow, that's the plant that I take that helps me with my mood, you know, and that's a powerful experience. Okay, so on that, most people... I know this yeah. are, and I, I, I say, I don't want to say lazy, but <laughs> yes. kind of lazy with that. Sure. I don't know. You know and I, I speak for you know, mm-hmm. people. I, I don't know what a St. John's word is. I don't know what a stinging <laughs> right. nettle is. First of all, it's a stinging nettle sting. <laughs> yeah, right. So how, you know, there's all this thing. And when people do that, their minds get tired and like, I don't sure. just, I got to take the pill and I want to eat that pizza. Right. And it's, uh, it's good. okay, I'm fine. Right. And I don't care if it takes off three years of my life. I don't care. I just want to be happy. <laughs> I, th- there's a lot of truth to that. And we have given ourselves over to that idea. And if that's if you're okay with that, then you're okay with that, um, you know. But I think we have given ourselves over to the idea that we can go. We're, we're feeling crappy. We go to that guy, our doc, his general practitioner. He gives us a pill, and things are going to get better. And it's not really the story. It doesn't usually work out that way. It doesn't really work a ton. For a small percentage, it works. But for a lot of people, it doesn't solve the problem. So how do we solve the problem? Well, you got to do some work. You know, if you were 100 pounds overweight and you were coming to me, I wouldn't say, well, just take this pill and good luck. I say, well, you know what? You got to do some work. 
you got to start eating better and you got to exercise and you got to move your body. It's the same if you're feeling depressed and anxious. You have to do some work. But that's hard. <laughs> I need what, it. What am I going to do? What do you mean? How are you? I can't do it. <laughs> and and that's a choice. You mm-hmm. know, ultimately, you know, you can you can try the shortcut route. And see if it works. And if that, that works for you, great. But for a lot of people, it doesn't work. And then you're left just going, well, then you're going to stay where you are or you're going to take that road that takes some effort, that takes some work. And people like me will be there for you to help help you along, to encourage you on your path. But we all need to do some more work. What we've gotten into exactly is this lazy mindset. Everything is so easy. Mm. Everything is just comes to us. And that's not how it really has existed for humans for our hundreds of thousands of years of our lives. It's been a lot harder. And yeah. we've suddenly gotten way easier to the point where we're getting sicker because we're not taking care of ourselves. And I hear, you know, when we say not taking care of ourselves, we don't even know ourselves. We don't even know um, anything. We're, just, we're disconnected from really ourselves. Agree. We have uh, taken on, like I said, other people's programs. And we just do. We're just there. Yeah. We don't know where our food comes from comes from right i said this to you know my friends the other day i'm like you know especially in this country you know we don't have to slaughter our own right. uh, uh f- you know meat what right. if we had to do that yeah and i'm not, see i think people go well what are you saying you know you know uh, you know eating meat's bad that's not what i'm saying at all i'm saying give respect mm-hmm. and understand right what you're doing what, take control of your energy everything the work that you know i feel like i'm doing in this time of my life is how do, are we using our energy right. because you are a powerful amazing being you can do right. anything yes. but if you let your power go and let others just do it for you yes. meaning everything then your things or your food can be poisoned your right. um what you're not just putting into your body in that way, what you're ingesting in your mind. Right. You know, you're no longer connected to what you are, which your body is the earth. I don't think people get right. that. Right. Your body exactly. is the earth. Bingo. And when you look at what the earth is, what's happening in the mm-hmm. earth, it's mirroring what's going on in Absol- you. Absolutely. This is, and you can see this, you know, I talked about that example of, um, you know, people with traditional diets having this diverse uh, microbiota and people with modern diets having a really bad one, right? Literally, bacteria in our gut that are beneficial are going extinct. And that mirrors what's happening out there in the world, that literally we're going through extinction events. So many species of animals and plants are going extinct because of how we are treating the earth and how we're treating our bodies. The same deal. So we, it, the whole word, the whole process is respect. You ask why wildcraft? Well, it's teaching respect. And, uh, you know, why know where your food comes from? It teaches respect, which is ultimately where we have to get back to is a, a much more respectful and reciprocal relationship with the natural world, with the plant kingdom. Otherwise, we may not be here in 100, 200 years because of, you know, global warming, climate change, all of that. Exactly. Wow. Well, let me ask you a couple or yeah. a few more questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talked about, I, I read something, phytonutrients and inflammatory, anti-inflammatory. You talked about the, the food that we have um, no longer has uh, certain components. Or some of the food that we did have was much more anti-inflammatory. Now, I've read a lot of things lately. 
Um, I don't know if you know a, a, a gentleman named Dr. Sabi. Have you ever heard hmm. of him? No. Boy, that's so interesting. You're, all these different people. <laughs> well, he has, um, I don't think he's a real doctor, but because of what he studied, because he was healed from various herbs from someone in, I think, South America, um, he you know, created a certain set of herbs and ways of doing things and, and eating was all alkaline. So right. it's basically alkaline. When I say yeah. all alkaline, I mean, I don't think everything is all alkaline, but alkalizing food and saying that the root of all disease is really the mucus forming, um, the anti-inflammatory. And when you get rid of that from being alkaline, and I've known this from many people, um, your body is whole. It heals itself. Mm-hmm. I say, I call it regeneration. And so... I want to know your take on that about the inflammatory and mm-hmm. these things that people are calling phytonutrients and mm-hmm. and and why you know um, with the food that we had before you know is it the soil what is that what happened so inflammation is being seen as sort of the holy grail of all diseases right now it all everything cancer diabetes over you know obesity mental illness can be linked back to inflammation that we're talking about that with microbiota and the gut you know the gut lining getting inflamed how we eat all of that the food that we eat now a lot of the wheat, the dairy that comes from these farms have been uh, – the nutrients have been removed. The soil no longer – it's been used up so much that so much of the plant material that we eat doesn't have the nutrient value that it used to. Wild foods – talking about wild crafting herbs um, and organic foods have a much higher amount of phytonutrients. So, uh, you know, they are nourishing our system to a much higher degree when we take in those foods. And a lot of these, um, you know, traditional herbs and foods are anti-inflammatory. You've heard about um, omega-3, you know, oils. Mm-hmm. Omega-3 foods in general are, are foods that have a lot of omega-3 oils are anti-inflammatory in nature. Whereas when we eat processed or industrial food, we get a lot of omega-6 mm-hmm. oils, a lot of our vegetable oils, um, canola, you know, things that we thought were pretty healthy for us. They're actually really inflammatory. When we go to McDonald's and have the French fries, you know, cooked in some sort of canola, that is really inflammatory for us. So all of these modern foods are inflammatory and we and devoid of nutrients, you know. So we need to return back to systems of eating that incru- include higher density nutrition and more anti-inflammatory foods. Okay. Yeah. All right. So to your practice you said counselor yeah so like I said it's rare that you hear someone say you're a counselor what do you call it a counselor herbalist therapist I'm a therapist primarily and I include herbalism for people who are interested in it and so I will offer that to folks who want to go down that route but certainly not all of my clients are interested in that but almost always I include information about herbs and the thing that I also say about herbs because we're talking about what do I take to feel better how do I you know it's all about Mm -hmm. oral and I My take on herbalism is it's a full sensory thing, meaning how do we connect to plants that heal us on all levels, touch, smell, hearing, 
visual. We already talked about visually just taking those walks in nature, being around beautiful, you know, flowers and plants is healing. That's a type of herbalism. Smelling aromatherapy. So smudging. I don't know if you've ever heard of smudging. I have. Okay. So smudging with sage, smudging with cedar. Those are ways of calming the nervous system. Aromatherapy. A lot of people are into essential oil aromatherapy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a really powerful way of going through to the limbic system very quickly, crossing the blood-brain barrier, causing an emotional, you know, causing a reaction to reduce stress. So the smell, we do taste. Uh, what am I missing? Touch. Mm. Get into a bath, put in, uh, you know, an essential oil and a mm. carrier oil and allow that, you know, lavender to come through the skin or massage mm. your body with infused oils that have herbs. These are ways of healing um, to feel pleasure, which is really what we're missing mm -hmm. when we're uh, in distress. So, yeah. Interesting. You said the pleasure. Yeah. And, you know... I do a lot of work, a lot of uh, creative work, and a lot of my mind is always going. It always has. And yeah. um, like I said, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, and I do. It's, you know, this sometimes it's better, and sometimes it's not. I, I know that those are, you know, deeper issues of perfectionism and, and mm -hmm. all what. And um, with that, I noticed I kept saying this one word, like, I just want to feel supported. Like, me and health and all the things. I love massage. I love acupuncture. Yeah. I love the oils. I love mm -hmm. you know eating good. And I thought, what is it that I, you know, why am I feeling this way? Why do I want to do all those things? It's because it feels so supportive. It feels mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm being supported and I'm being touched. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the past years, I mean, I, I haven't been able to afford, uh, you know, the massage. I used to get a massage all the time. I had right. acupuncture all the time. Right. I did all these things all the time. Mm -hmm. And my life is better in many other ways. But those things have not been there. And I notice a change, you know, with that. And those are so needed. Just someone, you know, um, you know, rubbing an oil on your on your oh, neck and you know huge. is huge. You know, tell me with that what happens with some of your you know I won't say clients, but you know in what your work. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not thinking specifically about clients, but just with you, you know, even this is the part that get back gets back to wildcrafting and connecting with plants in our uh, environment. It's free. These herbs, you know, mm. for a lot of us who don't have enough money, we can go collect a little lavender, little rosemary, pop it in a little bit of oil, let it sit on a windowsill for a few weeks, pull it out. You have this nice smelling oil mm. and we can rub it on ourselves or maybe we get a nice lover or good friend to do it for us. A lot of the revolution in my mind in mental health is not only taking back, saying we need to do this ourselves for ourselves, but let's do it a lot cheaper. You know, I've worked I worked in a hospital for ten years, hmm. so I get people who come in who are homeless, who are going through psychosis, and a hospital stay costs a thousand dollars a night. <laughs> and imagine you're staying for a few days. This guy. You know, gets a $3,000 bill that the state pays for, and he gets a prescription for, I don't know, Seroquel or Abilify, one of these antipsychotics that he probably stops a few days later. 
And I think, God, you know, 3000 bucks. You could do a lot for that guy, you know? Yeah, you take could. him to Hawaii, take yeah. him to go on a little <laughs> scuba diving, you know, eat in a really, really? nice restaurant. <laughs> Pleasure. He'd feel some joy in his life, yes. you know? And so we just, our whole system of how we help people is so mismanaged. And we, we're trying to suppress all of this distress instead of trying to nourish good health. What we're trying, you know, what we need to do, the revolution is in nourishment is not in suppression, in my view. I think I lost the thread of what you're asking. No, you did, you did exactly <laughs> what, I mean, that's absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's amazing. Well, with that said, as far as your, um, your, um, your work that you yeah. do, you, I, uh, you also have a vision, I think. Um, what, you have a vision that you want to you create this center or, hmm. or a... a Someone, I think I talked to. I sent someone to you, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you said he wanted to do this." I'm like, mm-hmm. like "Yeah, I'm going to be in touch with him." <laughs> um, but you know, what? How does your work work? Are you? It's called. Um, What's the name of it? Heartside Healing is my website. Uh, And I do have a vision. And I mean, like, I think I just described it mainly, which is let's move to more of a nourishment base, a nourishment model of counseling. Let's look more at the body as therapists. Let's try and, you know, heal the physical feelings of distress, which sometimes we just can't talk ourselves out of. If someone comes to you and they're like panicking and stressful, you, you know, what can you do? Light a little smudge, you know. Maybe they can do some self-massage, some qigong, some breathing. These are techniques to help someone that I think are really important that we need to to increase as therapists. And then on a larger level, I was talking about that hospital model. It's really a broken system. Hmm. And we band-aid people far too much instead of offering what people really need, which is better housing, um, you know, better food, um, better nourishment, more love, more peers, friends, you know. These are the things that are really needed for yeah. folks much more than just, here's your drug, good luck, which Absolutely. is how we do things, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we're going to talk a lot about that because <laughs> that is the visions that I have is, is to, um, you know, create these places where um, people can do that, not a hospital when we can transform what we have okay so sure. it's not just saying yes. do something completely different let's 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 go to the different establishments and let's create a, a collaboration and synergy with one another mm-hmm. and solve these problems we can do it this is not <laughs> difficult as people think right. um really you know we 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 can do anything mm-hmm. and um you know what you do is so needed and i am looking forward to you mm. to doing more of these and we're going to do more work we're going to talk after this because um i have a lot of things to talk to you about <laughs> uh, but i just think what you do is is fascinating mm. um how do people get a hold of you uh yeah you can get a hold of me from that website again it's www.hearthside as in the fireplace hearth hearthsidehealing.com and that has all my information you can also just google the name john kai's herbs and that's kai's k-e-y-e-s and you'll find a lot of my articles i've written a whole bunch out there that are very helpful, mm. very, very, very much so. So mm. I'm looking forward to seeing you again. And um, yeah, thanks so much for coming down here today, John. Thanks, Michael. Okay. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. You've been listening to the Open Door podcast series. The Open Door is part of the Cocoon, the creative action centers of online open source networks. Tune in weekly 
where we share ideas on consciousness, health, and creativity. Together, we are taking action where the 99% transform into 100%.